You're listening to the Cinema Snarks Podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Ren. And today we are going to tell you how we really feel about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, as well as the everlasting filmography of one Chris Pine. Ooh. Ooh, that's the right like Ooh. sound for Chris Pine. Isn't it though? Isn't it the blue eyes? <laughs> Chris Pine is uh he, I, I'm just you know I had to like think about it for the podcast and it's like Chris Pine is like just enough older than me that he's always been like sexy right he's he's always been never like like too old sexy he's always been like perfect age right in my age range of like oh hot older guy like vibes (laughs) yeah one of the the mini chrises of hollywood mini i think he might be my favorite chris currently chris Pratt Uh, always used to top the list but and chris hemsworth did too but you know i think after like going back through it and like watching Dungeons and Dragons. I, I think he's at the top of the list. He was always pretty high up there, but it's tough. I, I genuinely love three of the Chris's. I love Chris Evans. I love Chris Hemsworth and I love Chris Pine. Pratt. It's a shame because I loved Chris Pratt for a long time. See, I he, never watched what was it? Uh, Parks and Rec. Is that the Parks and Rec? Yeah, I think I you never have to watched watch Parks and Rec. I never watched Parks it. So properly I, I appreciate him. Loved him like that. So uh, the falling out of grace and the weirdness and all that. I mean, it only somewhat affected him because he was always my least favorite Chris anyway. So, you know. yeah, I mean, he I, I his, him turning weird and super Christian is actually less of the problem for me than he broke Anna Ferris's heart. And yeah. that like, in a really like negative way. Uh, it was a pretty negative look for him. But we're not here to talk about that, Chris. We're not shitting on this, Chris. Listen, <laughs> We're shitting uh, about the other one. <laughs> and lots of people like to come to the defense of Chris Pratt. He's doing just fine. He's no matter how fine. much we hate on him and his weird stuff and, you know, whatever. I don't even, like, hate on him. Super He's Mario Brothers and... movie in six days has become the biggest movie of 2023 already. So, Chris He's Pratt... Fine. Is just he's and he's about to probably have the other biggest movie here in a couple weeks when Guardians of the Galaxy three releases. Cry me a river somewhere else. He's fine. But we're here to talk about one of the two Chris's. Actually, what what color are Chris Evans's eyes? Because uh, Hemsworth and Pine both have these crystal blues. Pine probably the most prominent blue eyes of them all. They're like shocking, <laughs> striking. <laughs> A pretty insane physical feature of Chris Pine. Those damn blue eyes that you just get lost into. He is not. I wouldn't say you get lost. You get like jolted. Starstruck. Literally like struck into submission. Just pause. You stop whatever you're doing when those blue eyes lock on. Heart Uh, stopping. But he's back doing fun films with his latest Dungeons and Dragons. Back to hopefully, I think they're all hoping, franchise fair with this film as well. So Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, is a 2023 fantasy adventure that follows a charming 
thief and his band of unlikely adventurers when they embark on an epic quest to retrieve a long-lost relic. But their charming adventure goes dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. In addition to the aforementioned Chris Pine, the film also stars Justice Smith, Michelle Rodriguez, Sophia Lillis, Regé Jean Page, and Hugh Grant. Now, Ren, before we get started, we saw this last weekend with a pretty committed Dungeons & Dragons player, as well as a, she, she's even a, a DM right now, she's a nice little dungeon master. Have you played D&D? I have. Oh, okay. I've played D and D. I have played D and D. I have played D and D like games, and I have played like D and D one shots. But I would not consider myself a D and D player because I just don't have that kind of commitment. Not to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I think if I was not, if I didn't do theater. I would absolutely love Dungeons and Dragons as an outlet for like mm -hmm. being silly and storytelling, storytelling and, like yeah. having a character and all of that. Um, but I, I have theater as an outlet. And so the idea of a weekly commitment of like hours and hours and hours, that's too much for me, <laughs> but there are people who are dedicated and they love on their Dungeons and Dragons. And I feel like I know, a, I know a lot about Dungeons and Dragons for someone who doesn't like play it like religiously uh, because I am surrounded by Dungeons and Dragons nerds um, and Audacious Theater did a Dungeons and Dragons sort of parody um, themed show. So I learned a lot about that and like all the jokes and things through that. So I think I have a firm base of knowledge, but I would not, I would far from call myself like a D and D expert, but I think I have a solid enough base and, and more than your average non D and D player, I would say. <laughs> yeah. My knowledge goes like our friend, Leslie telling me stuff, trying to get me to play and join. Um, and then getting me in on the legend of Vox Machina, which is based on critical role, which is literally just people playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's like this big <laughs> phenomenon. Um, I know. I, I think that's one of the strangest <laughs> things about the Dungeons and Dragons phenomenon to me is that people want to watch other people play a game. <laughs> I think that's crazy. And that's, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is not the only thing that does it. No. That actually makes a little more sense to me that people, than people who want to watch other people play a video game. Which like, is huge on YouTube. Huge. Yeah. I, at least with Dungeons and Dragons, you're like watching a story unfold and you get to kind of watch actors acting out a part yeah. and there's like an improvisational element to it. So it makes a little bit more sense to me than watching people play video games, but not that much. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. I don't get it, but that doesn't mean you can't. Yeah, I haven't watched Critical Role because, well, it's like four hour episodes weekly. Um, yeah, so again, it's like insanity. Uh, but I Being have watched... super into D and D is a time <laughs> commitment. <laughs> Uh, but I've watched the first two seasons of The Legend of Vox Machina. 30-minute episodes. They drop three a week for a month. So it's like an hour and a half for just four weeks in a row and you're done. Boom. So you, good. So you did watch that. So you have yes. well, that have much like of a base that little, knowledge. And <laughs> I have to admit, I'm like... When it comes to film and, and TV, uh, but more so film, uh, I'm, I'm like a fantasy apologist. Like, even not so great fantasy films, 
I tend to have you a pretty do. good time with. I like fantasy. For someone with such like cold, <laughs> dead heart, you really love imagination and fantasy in you your worlds. <laughs> so, yeah. So going into this, I was excited. There was a dragon, obviously. Hey, House Targaryen, rise up. Uh, there was a fat dragon as well as like a, fat a dragon. dragon. <laughs> they definitely did. I like want the fat dragon like for my home i mean like i need it needs to be like squishy because i want to roll yes. that shit it's so cute i don't even think they played up that fat dragon in like marketing they showed like his head i think but they did not play up the fact that he was like this little pudgy <laughs> dragon i don't think um, Pudgy dragon's incredible it's a great and reveal the, the best part was that like when the dragon comes out in my mind i was like is that a really big dragon or is that fat dragon? Is that a fat dragon? <laughs> it's just and like fun. just a couple seconds after I have that mental question, you hear the character go, that's a really pudgy dragon. <laughs> and have we, I think this is the first pudgy dragon I, I remember ever seeing in fantasy. I, yeah. I think it might be because, yeah, it was just too delightful. And it was like a moment of like, this is perfect. This is everything. I don't know why. I mean, so I, I don't know why this hasn't come up before because I love all things that are pudgy. Like I would say like Descas is the best part of Cinderella. Rolly, the fat puppy, is the best part of 101 Dalmatian. Like give me a fat pudgy character and I'm going to be a little in love with it. It's so cute. And this dragon was amazing. And it's fun to get a fat little pudgy dragon um, who was still dangerous, who still easily yeah, could have still killed them all. He's still a freaking dragon. He's just... But he's also like so fat. His like, I guess the implication is that his his fire doesn't work anymore, which I also enjoy. I, I also enjoy that because he's fat, he has different like techniques he's just like rolls that's one of his things it just goes on his rolls side down the hill like, it's like i'm not you chasing know, you boulder down a hill at yeah. the people he wants to kill uh it's great stuff but uh, yeah i was like creatures like dragons and stuff obviously i'm on board for this D, &D movie it yeah. looks a little bit ridiculous but that's what i signed up for heading into yeah. a D, D film i want it to be a little ridiculous ultimately ren How'd you feel about this uh, new Dungeons and Dragons? I thought it was fun. I enjoyed myself watching it. It didn't shoot up to the top of my list of movies that I love. I wasn't really like, oh my God, that was so much fun. I loved it. Um, I would say it was a solid seven for me, you know, out of 10, give or take. Certain things that I loved and I, I think I, yeah, <laughs> it was fine. It was fun and it was fine. I would recommend I would recommend people go see it. It's it's definitely the sort of thing you want to like go see at the movie theater. It's like a fun movie to go see. Yeah. I think that's pretty much like the perfect way to say it. And I think yeah. a lot of D&D &D nerds did go out to see it because those damn oh, there's $35 and granted I was going to pay this. Um $35 for a popcorn bucket. But it was a 20-sided die um, popcorn bucket at AMC. I would have bought one just because I have... Sold out. Gone. Uh, sort of. AMC sort of. Uh, we, we sort went of. To the, um, went to the wrong cashier. 
didn't get the cashier that was like giving out the hidden extra ones. The hidden ones for the managers in the back, um, mind you. But they sold out of like the little tankers. So they knew their audience and the nerds showed up. They were like, yes, give us all the nerdy merch that goes with (laughs) D&D. They showed up and showed out. And I think people have just been pining for like a good D&D like movie or series or something because everything else that is tried has almost been terrible other than maybe like the Vox Machina animation because it's literally based on an actual just campaign story that has happened that 2000 movie is horrible (laughs) yeah it's terrible so my theory on this is always that uh basically you had this run of them trying to make movies based on things that people love without loving them themselves. And now we've come around to the point where millennials are old enough to be the ones who are actually creating Mm -hmm. films and TV. And we do actually love these things. And so you have people that actually love the properties that they're remaking. Yeah. We talked about the person who did Hocus Pocus. I don't know who hired them because they didn't know what made that enjoyable well i feel like we talked about it in our re- our recent scream discussion is especially with these horror yeah. franchises we're getting people who are passionate disney they have not i don't know if they're over mandating or what they're doing over at disney because they don't seem to really get it <laughs> I, yeah they're I, tapping I, into the nostalgia obviously with all of these films we love all of us 90s babies all of us millennials but they're they are sucking the magic out that made us love the animation. So like all of these Renaissance movies, Aladdin, which was okay, Beauty and the Bees, Lion King, uh, all of these movies are just like not yeah. doing a good job at that. We'll see with the Little Mermaid, but from the trailers I've seen, I don't have much faith. I don't know what's up with Disney. Uh, I don't think they have to try so hard. I also think Disney is like they just know it prints money. They know everyone's going to go watch it. So yeah, I I would bet they're probably over mandating or something, yeah. and like you know, because their stuff is always like that was the problem with Hocus Pocus is it felt very Disney yes. Channel instead of original Hocus Pocus, which was clearly not made for the Disney Channel. It was like made to be its own standalone <laughs> film. And it seems like stuff is now being made to like go on their streaming service with the explicit purpose of being yeah. family friendly, which, you know, not everything can be puss in boots. Uh, yeah. Not everything can be family friendly in a way that is like genuinely enjoyable to adults. It's you, you have to do something clear to avoid things just becoming kitty or I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what is wrong with it. Here's the, I, I would say all of the live action things, it's like, oh, they just keep remaking these stories that don't need to be remade. But that was would have been the ar- argument for like all kinds. Like nobody yeah. did. Scream didn't need to be remade. And yet yeah. they managed to do it in a way that actually made me go, oh, I'm glad you did this. Right. Yeah. Like that was the argument for decades, but they've actually gone back and been able to remake things. And Candyman didn't need to be remade. But I really liked the remake. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, that's the argument. But, like, that's not really – that doesn't explain <laughs> it because there seems to be an ability to take something that's already been yeah. made and is beloved and does not need to be remade and to turn it in, and maybe that's the problem is that with these live action things, they're not doing anything unique with them. Yeah, they're that, literally just remaking it. Yeah, they're literally just like, remaking it. Or they're injecting, like, an extra song that doesn't make any sense and wasn't or written by Alan Menken. So I don't it's know. Not, like, yeah, it's just – 
yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of problems. I don't know what we're going to do with this new one. And then their marketing campaigns always like try to throw digs at the, the animation, like, oh, we're going more uh, empowered woman. That's like always their gimmick too. It's like our princess is going to be empowered. And so they kind of like put down the animated film that everybody loves as they like market their new one. And it's like, okay, yeah. this is very weird. This is weird. Nobody wants this. <laughs> We like animation, but... Going back to Dungeons and Dragons. So in 2000, they made a shitty version that was just intended to essentially try and reach out. Action. Yeah, but it was not good. It was not well made. And it was just, you know, there. it was a money grab. I also think that the Dungeons and Dragons fan base has exploded in the last decade or so. I think uh, I think it was already exploding, and then I think COVID That's really bumped up the numbers. So I think this is you know the right time, and I think they also. I'm gonna bet that there wasn't very much money put into the original Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. not as much as like proportionately through inflation was put into this Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Although that didn't mean the special effects were any good. <laughs> yeah uh so, so getting into the, the snark on uh dungeons and dragons i did not like the special effects they were not very Some good of them was okay. i don't know if that like, was a the dream. dragon was okay the dragon the dragon good. was fine there was well, a, there was like well, one scene that would look great and then the next scene would just look terrible so i was like oh okay yeah it <sighs> was uh, it was uneven well what we learned from game of thrones is apparently it's actually really easy and a lot cheaper to <laughs> digitally animate scales but fur is a little more complicated and so that might be yeah. a problem but but the feathers looked good the the owl bear looked good so the owl bear looked good. good i i think really the issue like i one of the things i thought was really bad was the um the game uh oh the, yeah 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 the, the like, uh, arena arena like yeah. moving around is like this should be better this should look more, more realistic but this looks like an animation it doesn't look yeah. Like, uh, and it was weird because they also chose, like, there was like a cat. Oh, yes. what are they called? I forget. There's Panther. like a specific oh. uh, like, tabaxi. That's what they're called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is all my tiny bit of nerd cred. So they have like a tabaxi and they chose to go practical on that one. But <laughs> they didn't pay the Jim Henson company to do it because it didn't look very good. Yeah, the random practical effects, which usually I love. So the practical effects on like when they did like the guys who sit up looked cool. Like that, and that's easy, right? Like that's that's a little mm -hmm. bit easier to do. But yeah, then in broad daylight, I guess that's that's risky to do practical effects like this in the middle of a CGI heavy movie to put in a practical cat um, in the middle of the daytime, and then this little baby cat that you pull out of uh the fish yeah um yeah, yeah. and like i i don't know okay i would buy it if there was some specific choice to do to make it like b movie level like if there was a choice Across to make board. it kind of corny yeah i would buy that but like it wasn't consistent so if it was intended to be corny it was like exactly it didn't come off as an intentional corny it came off as a poorly done corny. and that was like one of the few instances of that like that's why if if they had injected more practical effects that look like that because the bird jarnathan was also practical um and 
Yeah. He was fun. But then <laughs> it's just it's like, yeah. So I don't know. It was really inconsistent. Yeah, in the tone. bird was really good. Yeah. He looked great. Fun. See, and that's the thing. He looked great. And then you get the cats that are like, oh, this what is, is going on. <laughs> um, okay. I just feel like are cats really hard or something? Because we uh, apparently just had again, a lot of really off-putting cat. They didn't want to spend the money on the CGI. They were like, that fur on those cats is going to be way too expensive. It will be cheaper to just make some cheap-ass, like, animatronic in a suit, I guess. Uh, But, I don't know. And that's kind of the the whole movie. How do I do, like, makeup that would have looked better? Like, just actual fur on a human face? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. with. uh, Apparently, cats are just hard, because ass Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, apparently, it's just not a good thing to bring to the screen. Uh, cats. We were asking ourselves that on that film as well. We except the opposite. We were like, why did they do CGI cats instead of makeup and costuming like a Broadway show? I don't know. Weird choices with cats left, right, and center. And then there's Disney, who's like, let's suck all the personality out of the Lion King with these cats and make them look so realistic, they can't express emotion. No, no. You know who knows how to do cats? DreamWorks. No, listen. <laughs> Puss in boots. <laughs> but, Killing it. but this film, what I enjoyed most about it was... The, the nods and the winks is that it, it mm. didn't, um while it didn't fully lean into like a B-level campy film, it leaned up into it enough. Like it Elite. leaned into the nerdiness enough that it, it obviously knew, it knew its audience and it, it kind of poked and jabbed at them. Like there's several jokes about the games themselves. Like there's this point where Regis Jean's character gives this overly complicated absolutely ridiculous puzzle like instructions on how you have to get across this gate and i just thought that was so funny and then of course there's like a really simple easy way to do it otherwise yay mcguffin yeah Um, Yeah, there's also a lot with the characters themselves right so like the base of when you start dungeons and dragons you get to kind of like pick the the amount of points you put into each individual like personality trait and so you can like see that in these characters where you have like the Chris Pine and you can tell that his charisma is like that's where he piled all of his yeah. like points was building on charisma. And then you have the uh, sorcerer character who has no charisma Zero. and hasn't like just like the, didn't put any money in there. And that's any any of his points in there. And so you can see and but like then as the game progresses. As you accomplish different things in quests, you get more points. And so it seems like, like you can see that that yeah. character, the person playing that character must have been like, okay, shit. Uh, well, I can't get anything done because I have such low charisma. And so like as they achieved things, they s- started shifting things in there enough that he can like, you know, yeah, be a useful member of the party moving forward. And of course we have like the base kind of your your general party uh in a D type of fantasy yeah. with the druid and the sorcerer the bard and then the yeah. barbarian so you you have like all of your little people covered you have basically. a good but another one of our i know we talked about this another one of the criticisms with the party was that like again this just kind of goes back to like the special effects and the design that like <laughs> they made the party so human yeah. they just 
Like, I thought the barbarian was fun. I love that the barbarian was a woman, but I want the barbarian to be like beefy, like silly, like Michelin man level, like beefy. That's what a barbarian should look like. That's what the woman, even the, even the, so they have, um, there's like the whole thing where Michelle Rodriguez, her character is in love with a halfling and then the halfling has like a new girlfriend but even the new girlfriend looked more like a barbarian i felt like than uh, michelle rodriguez does but even she wasn't like bar- like they should be cartoony barbarian level and same thing with like like the the sorcerer he's supposed to be half elf and his ears are so light that <laughs> they had to like Spend some time zoomed in on his ear for a little while so that you understood that he was a half elf as a D person you would like get it and then um, the tiefling being pretty yeah much i think a the human. tiefling's probably the most egregious of them is that like <laughs> especially because they okay so they specifically are like my human parents rejected me and it's like why <laughs> you look like a hundred percent human like she's got the tiniest cutest little dainty little horns ever and like Tieflings are supposed to be these like gigantic, scary, demon-looking type species. And there definitely could have been ways for them to create a tiefling, even if she was small, that was a little less human and still like cute and sexy and having some allure. Like there's absolutely like succubus like style demons you can go into but they chose to make her look as human as possible and that would have just taken like prosthetic work like again we don't even need to go into cgi and more budget that way just some sort of prosthetic on like the face or even like arms and yeah and maybe maybe i mean i thought she was really good i have no problem with the actress but perhaps you would could have gotten a taller actor and then played around (laughs) with some like angles right like have like a Hagrid type thing, right? Uh, uh, Robbie Coltrane is not a giant. Uh, He's not even (laughs) a half giant. He's a pretty normal height guy. They like played with the levels and the camera to make him look huge. And like, I think you've got a problem in like Harry Potter is doing a better job. Harry Potter that was made a decade ago did a better job of being these actual mythical creatures than you have, right? Like, I don't think there was one mythical creature in there that I was like, damn, that's like sick, right? Like, I guess there was Jonathan. That's a pretty fun, like, I thought that was pretty well done. Um, Jonathan is the, like, judge. <laughs> oh, uh, Jonathan! <laughs> Jonathan! <laughs> that's going to be our new yeah. uh, campy. And uh, Ren. Job. It's a, you have to remember, we're in fantasy, so it can't just be Jonathan. It does have the R. It's a Jonathan. Jonathan! Um, <laughs> So, if you look at his spelling in the credits, Jonathan. I don't think I realized um, that at all. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> it's it's fantasy. We have to tweak the, the right. normal names to make them fantasy names, Rand. Come so, on. So, they, I do think they did a, a decent job of, like, making a lot of the peripheral characters yeah. more. Even, like, the peripheral um, animals. Like, we yeah. see these little things, like, fighting, or we see these things in passing that are like, oh, that's cool. But we literally only see them in passing. And, you know, I, I also, I understand, like, the choice from the perspective of you, these are the characters you need to identify and connect to in order to enjoy the story. So I could see, like, not wanting, right, Mike, I, like, I complained about it in um, Western Front, uh, All's Quiet on the Western oh, yes. Front, that, like, there was too much goop on his face for me to, like, properly read his emotions. 
But I think when you're doing Dungeons and Dragons, I'm not looking for the like nuanced expressions of your characters. So uh, yeah, I just um, I wished it would have been a little bit more fantastical, especially on the main characters, so that it really like because that's what I that's what I see in my brain when we're on a campaign yeah. together. Like that's one of the great things about it is that like you have all these different people that have all these different skills. Um, and, and each of them is useful in different ways. Yeah. And I do think the film at least made, again, covered their bases there. It's kind of like a superhero team, like an X-Men team. You never want an X-Men team where they all have the same strengths. You don't want a bunch of strong people physically. You need like strong, but you need somebody, a teleporter, you need a this or that. It is a well put together (laughs) party. I will suggest their choice of the characters makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, like I have... I I I told you I was the bard. I was the Chris Pine oh, character man. when I like played D and D for the first time. That was the character I chose to be, and that I like watched them. I was like, yeah, that's a hundred percent me. That's I'm the. I choose not to fight. I choose to be a planner. I choose to be the person who plays the plays the flute. I pl- I choose to be charming. I choose to be able to talk to people the and flute. get us through uh-huh. things by being clever. Ren was out here being the Lizzo of the D&D world with that little flute, huh? Okay. <laughs> um, I also played once as a gnome. Um, I was a I was Sherlock Gnomes. Shylock Gnomes. That was the name I came up with. I was say, Sherlock so again, gnomes I was like more of a thinker, but... cartoon. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you I've ever never saw seen it. that. Yeah, but I came up with that name out of my own brain. <laughs> before they before the movie released i don't know if it was before the movie but it was oh, okay. definitely not in it with Influenced. any awareness that the movie existed. <laughs> and i will say i agree especially if i thought michelle rodriguez was great so i don't have as much gripe about her i have no overall. problem with any of the acting performances whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> i i kind of wish that they had just if they were going to keep michelle looking like herself for the most part because i do think she looks beefier here than at least she does in like the new fast and furious movies because she always plays you know michelle that's that's kind of her thing right is like a tough girl like badass yeah. rugged girl um but if they had at least given her like berserker rage like if they had given her a physical manifestation of like when the the barbarian, barbarian. goes into her rage yeah. mode. Um, physically, or even, something again, happened. If they would have just played with camera angles a yeah. little bit more, so that she looked taller than Chris Pine and wider than Chris yeah. Pine, even if she was just the same proportions, yeah. it might have been better to just have this giant woman. Woman, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell anybody that with her, but if you know. <laughs> If she had like (laughs) defined muscles and things like that, you couldn't see any of them. They would have covered everything up. And like, I, I I love that for Michelle Rodriguez. I love that we have a Michelle Rodriguez that like, she's just a woman who doesn't have a traditionally feminine, I'm doing air quotes body. That's, you know, like she has a, a, a body that's built for physicality. It feels like she's, she has a, a fit body um but it it doesn't it doesn't read like i i told larry I, you know if if i have a i want 
that crazy lady from the Mandalorian that used to be a UFC oh, fighter and then got canceled. Canceled Gina Carano. Conservative. <laughs> was talking crazy. Anti-vaxxer, anti-trans uh, shit on Twitter but that got harassed. that's the out. kind of body shape I would want. It, if you're going to go with a real person's body, if you're going to not like just put on some prosthetics and really try and like amp it up magically. Um, uh, that's that's the level of like beefy woman I want to see, like full on like muscle builder woman. Wow. If that's what we're gonna do, I did like. I think they did a really good job with like her her fight scenes. I thought were really fun. Um, yes, like they, they were choreographed well, and they I were thought... shot pretty well too. Because a lot of times, especially in these little fantasy movies, when it gets to the hand to hand stuff, it starts to get real like shaky, whirling around. You don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And I thought they, they shot it well. I thought most of the magic stuff was fun enough. Um, yeah. Our villain, she's not as well fleshed out, maybe. Like, her motivation is very surface level. But she hey. looks so cool. Yeah, she was cool. I would say none of the characters are very well fleshed out. I mean, it just suffers from yeah. what lots of ensemble movies suffer from, which is there's just too many of them for you to properly yeah. get to know them. You do kind of get to know Chris Pine. That's probably the person that you like learn the most about and really get to identify the most with. Um, Yeah. And and they give you like tidbits. Like they're like, they just tell you about Michelle's backstory. They're just like, she was kicked out of her tribe and she has a husband who doesn't want her. And then we move on. And then it's like, we kind of see growth with the sorcerer on our team because he's like really down on himself and not confident at all. And he kind of has to learn it. Sophia Lillis's little druid does not like, she pretty much is just like there. She She's has a, a very useful party member. She's yes. the most useful party member. She's their their uh <laughs> what is this? she's their Deus Ex Machina. She's yes. basically like any problem that they have, she's magically got yeah. everything they need to like solve that problem. <laughs> Our this friend is one of the things talked that, about uh, it. Leslie and I complained about, no. like from a like Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> mechanic standpoint, it doesn't make any sense how many times she changed nor how many different things she changed into and it's like there's a sequence it's a really fun sequence because it it is like just this one character and we follow her as she's escaping the like castle but she changes so rapidly and so much in like a five minute span that my friend was like she has to be at such a high level to be able to change that fast and into that many different things back to back to back like that. Her she level has to have been playing like for like a decade with the same <laughs> character. Level one million to do what she just did. Yeah. But and you know, but she it, does it really helps. It made it for an interesting scene and really <laughs> helps uh fix all of their plot and anything they need where they're like Oh no, it's the, the hole is yes. now too small. Oh, well, I can turn into an earthworm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> earthworm Jim to the rescue. Great. <laughs> and then and the one thing with our villain is they built her up and they showcase it throughout the movie, like how powerful she is. Like she is obviously a very powerful and she's old. They make it very clear she's very old. Um, so you understand why she's so powerful. Same thing with like Regis Jean's character. He's very old. Um, so you understand why he's so great at fighting or whatever, just based on age. But I feel like they defeat her a little easy in the end for like building her up to be this insane sorceress. And the the guy who just learned how to use his powers uh kind of outmaneuvers her in the end. <laughs> and you're like, mm, how? 
okay, I'll go with it because we needed to take her down. But I would, I would accept it. But just again, from like a D&D standpoint, if you have a dungeon master that's not a dick, they're, they really, the whole point of the game, right, is for you to have fun and get from like quest to quest to quest so that you can do that ultimate quest. The idea isn't for it to be like impossible. It can't, like I've, I've played a game where we were like close to legitimately dying and you can have characters die, <laughs> but a good DM is like not gearing it towards any... Like actually killing any of your characters. This is why I can't be a DM because I'm a troll. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> there would be little trolls thrown in at random. I'm sorry, it would just happen. That's why I can't DM a game. It can't happen. Um, also, if I was a player and had a troll of a DM, I might just walk out. So, you know, I'm a hypocrite. What can I say? I would be and, a hypocrite. And I think, okay, and, and so I would disagree with you just, just a little bit on that because, I mean, the the main thing was that they she had this big plan that they had to, had to thwart. And they yep. thwarted that plan. That was the big thing. Yes. And then having to actually defeat her afterwards was like a, a second piece of that whole puzzle. <laughs> and they did it as a team. They did and it with as cleverness, a team. right? I mean, Very like good there, there's five of them and one of her. So and the daughter, yeah, the little daughter comes into play usefully in the end. Yeah. That's her only useful bit in the movie. <laughs> Yep. Uh, for me, we could have cut the daughter out. Uh, we could have just. Well, you cut... got to give him a reason to I give just... a shit. I know you that's don't. why you can actually there. just be like gold. That's Fun. usually enough, or revenge is enough. But we've gotten on this um, family drama yeah. kick here in films these days, and if we don't have a romantic storyline, then we should have some sort of family trauma to work through. And it does come through. Like I like. They have this spoiler alert. This is the spoiler review. It's been out for like a couple weeks now. You're fine. Uh, but they do have this resurrection stone and it comes back to play. I thought it actually was a really nice moment that it, they kind of showcase the need for Michelle Rodriguez's character over the initial use that they wanted to use this for. Mm -hmm. And it's a very sweet, touching moment. So I was like, okay, I, we have to have heart in here, I suppose. Uh, but yes. other than that, the daughter subplot is kind of like, eh, it kind of just, every time we went back to it or talked about it, it kind of just drugged the story down for me. And I was like, I'm here to have a pulpy good time, not daughter locked away in a tower. But at least we had Hugh Grant in the tower. That was the good thing because he was there and he was yeah. ready to chew the scenery at yes. every chance he got. <laughs> yes, very. We're all very glad that Hugh Grant has gotten into his campy old man phase of his career because he's killing it. <laughs> so and he's so good in this movie. He's so yeah. much fun. He's so great, and it's always fun to have like that villain next to the powerful serious villain uh yes. so, so you have to have them both and i yeah. think they worked off each other well also yes, her costume your, your doofy villain next yes. to your like actually again scary and threatening villain charisma yeah. uh hugh grant's character is full of charisma and yep. her character has zero charisma but has all of the power points of... yes and, and there's a uh, there's a lot of stuff with like uh, you know people talk about this um chaotic good and chaotic yeah. neutral or and chaotic evil and so uh, I would say that, you know, you have um, Hugh Grant's character who's kind of chaotic evil because he, all he cares about is himself. And then you have um, this other character. She's more like lawful evil because she's like doing what is correct for her leader who has told her what to do. And she's a bit more of a soldier sort yeah. of vibe. 
So you get you get the two different types of evil kind of mushed together there. Um, yeah. And, and you got kind of the same thing among your your different types of different types. they're all good in your party, but they're like different types of good. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody who's lawful good in there. Yeah, it's like there was nobody like stringently good by the law. No, oh oh, oh you know who's lawful good is uh, Reggie Jean Page. That there you go. Be, you are yeah. right. Yeah, we do have a lot. But you don't want to keep that guy in your party because he makes everything fucking hard. <laughs> Yeah, um, I did love him in this film. Ren and I gone back and forth a little bit. I think he was cast perfectly for the role um, because it's like a specific, stoic, almost like bland, dumb kind of humor he gives, um, which I thought worked really well for his part here. Same thing with I Michelle think- Rodriguez. I think that's why I liked her in this movie so much is because I don't expect her to be like funny. And I thought she had some really funny moments, like her being not only the strong woman, but like this obliviously funny person, like when she's like, uh, no, we're going to show her that we abandon your daughter for the right reasons. Like just those like off lines that she just like spouts off uh, or when she tells the sorcerer, just fix it with magic and like walks away. <laughs> I thought, great, great stuff. But yeah, I, I don't I didn't I didn't dislike Reggie Jean Page. <laughs> I, I like the character. I like the, I liked him. Um, I just, was. it made me wonder if he's really charming at all or if he's got anything because he's very sexy. And that was his whole Bridgerton thing was like stoic, sexy thing in Bridgerton. And now he's like stoic dude, stoic, uh what a cleric type cleric, guy yeah. okay and and like right and next to chris pine who is possibly the most charismatic actor in his age range like period yeah. it's really hard to be it, it made it just it just made it abundantly clear to me like oh i don't know if this guy has any charisma i mean he could go he could potentially spend a decent amount of his career without it um yeah, yeah. but it, it just We've made seen me plenty I of just, sexy people with no personality or correct, charisma have I a long just career wonder i am <laughs> open to being proved wrong maybe he is actually terribly charming and he just hasn't had the right role yet but also possibly he is not charming <laughs> he is sexy and that will not be his thing and that's fine you don't everybody can't be as charming as chris pine i mean it's pretty hard it is very difficult to be as charming as chris pine uh very few as you just said uh are able to match him and that's why he was perfect for the lead role in this film like perfect they are so lucky that they were able to get chris pine to come on for this because he really without him it's a lot less fun like this movie just does not it's you don't have as nearly as good a time um and as you said i do think all of our actors do a really good job everyone here plays the role that they were brought in to play really well um but man that chris pine huh he just steals the show he's the main character and he's also like the only character you care about he's also clearly like the best he's just the most entertaining he's got all the best jokes and he just like he draws the attention always he's just he's playing and we'll talk about it because i mean i guess this is a good segue uh because not only are we here to talk about dungeons and dragons but also use that as a vehicle to talk about how great chris pine is and his career he's good at this character as well because he's so charismatic 
he is really good at playing the lovable, slightly scam like scoundrel like character. <laughs> Bit um, of a scamp. <laughs> we that's why he was great in Star Trek because that's that character as well. Mm -hmm. He's our hero, but he's also a little bit of an ass. Also, you know, got a little attitude, got a little snark to him. Even like um, his character in Wonder Woman, he's the love interest. He's he's a hero. He's a good person. He's also a spy. He's also he's not as good as Diana. He's not, you know, he's not as good as the rest of the characters. Um, Ran has not seen it, but he he does that well here in this little this means war that I'm holding up the DVD version here. Uh, good old rom com days, but Chris Pine and I think it's because of his charisma that he does that character just so well. Rand. Is the CIA guy? Yeah, the CIA. Yeah. And you know, Tom Tom Hardy, he he also likes to play kind of a scoundrelist little scamp, if you will, Ren. <laughs> a little scamp. Uh what's your first memory of Chris Pine? Uh well I, it turns out that my first memory without realizing it was my first memory was the Princess Diaries. Woo! <laughs> I didn't know that was yes. him. I, I I don't know at what point I registered that Chris Pine was like a thing I wanted to be paying attention to. <laughs> I know I like went over the edge Chris Pine um, with Into the Woods because he is just everything as Prince Charming. Like, so... That song, Agony, is the best song in um in Into the Woods. And of course, like there's other like classics on, right? Like uh you know, uh, there's the witch's song and there's all yeah. kinds of like good songs. But that one is the most fun, hands down. It's so funny, it's so entertaining, and they did such a good job with it. It is just it's so delightful um that that was the first time that i was like yes chris pine yes <laughs> i don't think right like i also had a lot of like right like you're talking about like nerds i had a lot of nerd rage because i do not think that anna kendrick is a particularly good singer uh -huh. um just this is my little nerd moment she was uh when she was a little tiny girl she played cosette little cosette in uh the broadway version of les mis and because she was on broadway i put that into quotes for some reason that means we all think she's a good singer she's a broadway level singer and her voice did not at any point in fucking time evolve <laughs> to the level of a adult broadway singer but because she was on broadway when she was a child she somehow became the person that we cast in all of the roles for broadway singers and so when she was cast as cinderella i was really upset about it because it was like Jesus Christ. And then she was also cast in the last five years. And that was fucking frustrating because that's another one of my favorite musicals. <laughs> that's my nerd age over Anna Kendrick. But like there was a lot of just aggravation generally with Into the Woods because they didn't and cast singers the nerd across community, the bird. Because, wait, say again? They didn't cast singers in that movie across they the board. They didn't cast any singers in that movie. And that's Stephen Sondheim. That is hard music. That is difficult to sing. The best singers in your theater group those are the ones that got the roles like they didn't fuck around and pick whoever was just like looked right for the role and could be the witch and the prettiest girl to be cinderella no the one who could handle that vocal 
role was the one who got cast. And so that was just really frustrating about Into the Woods in general. So I kind of went in there Ugh. with like a little and I was just chip on my shoulder. that that is what cursed us with the like decades worth of James Corden we've got ever since. Because he got yes! cast as a effing baker in Into the Woods. And now he's the singer guy too because car, carpool karaoke. Oh, let's cast him as every gay singing character and everything. No, no, no. We don't want James Corden. Go away. Please, I'm begging you. It's I'm thank God his show is coming to a conclusion because I'm done, James Corden. Please. Like Ren's rage toward Anna Kendrick. That's how I feel with James Corden. I think Every that James Corden rage is just like a jet more generally broad. <sighs> all of I mean, the people. Yes. People that tend to like I think because Anna Kendrick as an actress is like a little more endearing than James Corden. He's just annoying. Like he's yeah. just grating, whereas she can come off as cute as a person. <laughs> Yes, yes, I agree. She's I cute. Agree. She's like a like, cute little, like, mousy girl. And James yes. Corden's just like, wow, look at me, I'm singing. I don't <laughs> think it's Anna Kendrick's fault that she's constantly miscast. It's just, um, I don't, and like, I think she seems, she seems like a genuinely nice person. I love her as Noelle. I love the movie oh, Noelle. It is like one, one of my, like, Top Christmas movies uh, that have been made in the last like. And the Anna Kendrick years. Rage did not taint it. No, not at all. Also, she doesn't sing in that movie. So she's that's perfect. Like, she's a, she's great sing, role for she's her. like a little like note thing, whatever. But um, yeah. So, but yeah, James Corden is just also just a terrible person from everything. He's just a just god awful like, human being. People we love. Not sure, why he has deserved any amount of the <laughs> success he has gotten in his career. Yeah. No, we're all just done. We're done. But I, it, I, I think the the word online is that the British hated him and they somehow pawned him off on us. And we as fell this for great it. How British treasure we really wanted. Fell for it. Uh, you take him back. You and take him back film, right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Into the Woods that started it all. That I, I remember being like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he the baker? Does it make any sense? Because we even have like Emily Blunt, who is like, fine, she doesn't sing, but you get why they cast her because she was Emily Blunt. And same thing with Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep wants <laughs> to be a singer so bad. I am never going to be upset about Meryl Streep being cast in a thing ever. I mean. So, you know, we love her. We love her. And if, if Meryl Streep is maybe not the best vocalist, but bitch knows how to like act, sing really she well. She acted through she can, her lack of skill. She emotes so well through the singing that you're like, okay, well, we, we can accept yeah. what she did. Um, but without a doubt, the best sequence in Into the Woods is Agony. Yes. Like it's Chris Pine is the best part about Into the Woods. Into the woods. The yeah, film. and I, I think that that was part of it for me was that like, in contrast to all of these things that I was so aggravated about, it was just this like, oh, wonderfully delightful moment in the middle of all this nerd rage. So I think that was the first time that I was like, yes, Chris Pine. But like looking at um, <laughs> order of his, his filmography, Star Trek was probably the first thing that was like boom big for him. Like I know I saw Bottle Shock, but it wasn't until like, way after it came out and i know i saw smoke and aces but i don't yeah. think that he was in my periphery by that point um and he also apparently was in moment. i so i watched just my luck with Lindsay lohan with and Lindsay he is lohan. adorable and that was an adorable film it's very poorly rated on rotten tomatoes and i, I totally understand why it's like it's one of those like geek 
early 2000s, like formulaic, not good romantic comedies, but like it wasn't bad. I Look, mean, it is all it is. of us, all of us growing up during that time, we have an affinity for like Hillary Duff movies, Amanda Bynes movies, and Lindsay Lohan movies. Yes. It just is what it is. Look, yes. was that Herbie movie that Lindsay Lohan was in any good? Probably not, but I sure had a good time watching it. Yeah. Uh, Confessions of a Teenage Shopaholic, probably trash, but I lived. Okay. And you know, so I, having watched a lot of bad movies, like currently, I will say for just my luck, it was not too long. I've seen a lot of like that, that level of like bad romantic comedy yeah. that was like, they were just too long. And also nobody's funny. And at least in this one, Chris Pine is the most adorable, lovable, absolutely cute human being ever. Um, I don't believe for a second that he... <laughs> That he's so terribly unlucky. Like, there's no way that anybody that attractive <laughs> and sweet and endearing isn't getting by on just like TPS, that too pretty syndrome. Like, yeah. people are just like handing him shit because he's just gorgeous, right? Like, that's absolutely happening. But yeah. I'll buy it for the sake of this film. And he was very yeah. cute, adorable. And uh, I so, but uh, yeah, I didn't see that when it like first came out. And so, yeah, I want to see Star Trek was probably the first thing where like he was big. But yes. I think it had to be, uh, yeah, it, it had to be into the woods. That go. Yes, Chris Pine. I think I feel I like there's him. a lot on here that I've seen that you have not seen, Ren. Like, did you watch Unstoppable? No, I don't know what that okay, is. I saw Unstoppable. Did you see People Like Us? No. No. Okay, I saw People Like Us. Rise of the Guardians. Ah, uh, yes, I did. I watched that a while An underrated uh, film, I will say. is It's one of the, the only Easter films, but I yeah. don't think it's an Easter film. I think it just has an Easter bunny in it. It has, Easter, it has all the holidays. He like, yeah, yeah, you don't like have an Easter film, so they're always like, Rise of the Guardians! Passion of the Christ. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's like these like, like religious films. Super you religious. Easter, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because it has candy and it has uh. the geese who are laying golden eggs for easter oh you know who else has had the like lesser version of chris pine's like trajectory is uh james marston speaking of like easter films oh he had that hop movie <laughs> it's terrible um, chris, uh yeah james marston who also has shockingly bright blue eyes he, he just uh he just, he, he just never quite he should have had this amazing career because he he also is so charming and yeah. cute and charismatic and i just hollywood didn't know what to do with him so he's just been kind of there good for him for having sonic i guess that's his latest endeavor um but <laughs> great man even even his superhero stuff because he got miscast um i mean he was they passed like this super adorable kind of geeky guy who's very attractive as cyclops and the most boring iteration of Cyclops they could have possibly written for the yeah. screen. So it he's was like, a, well. yeah, he's an adorable. He he is a he is a super hot dork. I, that's what I would say his his yeah. role is. And he I was think in the Notebook he got that going for him. Yeah, he. But even that, he's like the, they they wanted him to be the hot guy more than like the adorable guy for a long time, and yeah. then he just went full family. Like so, yeah. 
But yeah, I will got- say um, one of the nice, th- interesting things about Chris Pine that makes me like him a little bit more is that like kind of looking through his IMDb, he's he's not a Nepo baby. He does not have like a bunch of like he has people in his like past that were not famous actors. So like his family is has been in the industry, but not like there's nobody famous in there. So yeah. he really is like he started from nothing. And he, you just look through his sort of IMDb page, and you're like, wow, he doesn't, he doesn't take himself super seriously. Uh, he seems to make good choices, but he's also not afraid to like do a thing for the money. <laughs> so wait, you he haven't seen for like be have you seen happy to Zachariah for fun, um, and yeah, and, I, and ever, nothing he does, you know, he's he's got has some like not great things on there, and he's got yeah, some a really lot of fun not great things. things on there. Uh, he doesn't do too much Oscar baby stuff. I would say some color of- high water. It was probably color high water, which yeah. I think it's great. I don't know how you feel about it, Rand. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I really liked. Actually. I yeah. I you said, have you ever watched Teller High Water? And I was like, I don't think so. And and I was aghast, y'all. Yeah, I know. Well, I turned it on to watch it because I was like, wow, he really thinks I should see this. And I I got like in through the first scene. I was like, maybe I've seen this before. And by the time um, Jeff Bridges showed up, I was like, no, I've definitely seen this before. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I like looked up on Wikipedia to go back to the plot. And I was like, yep, 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 yep. Yes, I have seen this. I have I have seen this. It, it is good. I, I love yeah. the I, it's an old it's a Western. It's a it's like a. I love I films know. that have um, that play around with good yeah. and evil, and, and it like, does so in an interesting way, rather than like just making an old school western. It's like a little, it's the characters are a little more complex yeah. uh, in a fun way. So, uh, the finest hours I thought actually was a pretty solid film that I was expecting to not be good. Uh, <laughs> and Chris Pine is really strong, and something like that as well. Z for Zachariah, a little bit boring. A little boring. Uh, Obviously, we love him in Wonder Woman. He's he's uh, perfect, uh, and I think that was another big moment of like falling in love with Chris Pine as an actor because there's just something incredible about the way he he is as Chris Pine. He is a, such a dreadfully charming yes. human being, and he perfectly let Gal Gadot shine in that mm-hmm. film. He does just does a great job of like owning that character, making that character so real and still so perfect. Yeah. And then like, but nev- not stealing. He, he, he was a guy, he was what I wish all of the fucking female love interests yes. in superhero mm-hmm. movies were like, he was an interesting <laughs> character on his own, had his own motivations, but let the, the woman character really shine and like supported her he was an excellent supporting actor in that film yeah he was great it was like a wonderful balance especially for a film you know set in the time frame it was of like a non-toxic um male lead to wonder woman's lead uh he's yeah you could see why diana would fall for this human man absolutely and obviously we get him damn near naked in that movie goddess would absolutely go for <laughs> yeah she gets to see him and all you know pretty much all his glory too this is that nice little thank you patty jenkins moment and then and of then, course they ruined it with wonder woman 1984 yeah. which, you know, and then know. they undid all of that amazing work and leg work they did in building this like wonderful story for wonder woman and giving her this amazing love interest in the first one and undo it all in wonder woman 1984 with what they do with his character He's in that one too, though. Uh, 
<laughs> okay, so he's also in A Wrinkle in Time, and he's the doctor, and I think I love him a little bit for that, too. Um, he's, like, a few years older than me, so he's, like, getting in. He's in his 40s, I think. Uh, he's getting to his 40s, if not into his 40s. And he plays dads. Like, I love that. He's He could Leonardo DiCaprio it and pretend that he's still, like, young. But he he's like, I know I'm hot. I know I'm sexy. And he absolutely could just keep doing, like, hot young guy roles. He could play into that Hollywood problem of we can have a man be 50 years old and still a sex symbol, but you know, women, but, but the love interest has got to be 25. Right. Um, but he, he's, he's plays dads. He like is okay with being an, a, a, a non-sexualized character, which he is in a wrinkle in time. Yeah. So I, I love him for so. that. And then um, you just watched Outlaw King. I just watched time. Outlaw King, which was, uh, <laughs> which was Braveheart with a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's a very good way to, but <laughs> that's what my takeaway was i was like i actually like had well while i was watching because it, it's a historic it's based on a historical event so i like i wasn't like super closely watching it i was like folding laundry while i was doing it um because it's a lot it's a very it's a lot guys it's a lot of like watch this man be eviscerated watch this like horse get stabbed watch like piles of bodies fall on the pikes like it's like a lot so i wasn't like closely watching it um also side note thing i found is i think because i have a very strange reaction to these sorts of i laugh when i see bodies flying through the air <laughs> in a battle scene i well i don't well. know why <laughs> there's <sighs> apparently something in me that goes this is ridiculous i think maybe it's because there's a, a, a external part of me that knows that's just an actor flying through the air I think in Outlaw King, it was a part of the, like, a lot of the violence you see happening is to, like, the British, who you fucking hate, because <laughs> they're an evil, tyrannical, <laughs> awful yes. group that mm -hmm. are just oppressors. They're the, mm -hmm. they're the original, well, no, the Romans are the original oppressors, but the British were also terrible <laughs> we're the next and they yes. they did it even better um until the americans then we really we killed it um, <laughs> we took the cake <laughs> but anyways i think maybe that's part of it too is it's like watching all of the uh the british like get what they fucking deserve it's like <laughs> look at your body it's flying across the way so uh but it is this was a strange reaction i found that i had to this particular film um it did yeah. feel a little like oscar Beatty type style there was definitely a lot more going into it um but i was very delighted that it i much prefer it to braveheart to be honest with you because braveheart is just like a very very depressing ending it's nice to know that at that at the <laughs> very least william wallace's death incentivized them to be like no fuck this and then the actual <laughs> came through and they like got their independence for like a long time <laughs> you know i just remember right. the outlaw king uh because of the marketing going up heavily uh, because he was getting asked about it quite often centered around chris pine this big mega a-list star one of the hottest men in hollywood doing this full frontal scene in outlaw king <laughs> And I said, I said, there was a full frontal. I, oh man, I was folding laundry. I must've missed it. 
Well, and then I informed her that it's one of, it's a full frontal in quotations because yeah, I get it's there, but you have to like pause right at the perfect time. It's one of those you pause right at the perfect time. I, and I mean, I could see like, like when like they were like having sex, I could see like the, the, a bit of the shadow, the side, yeah. was that it? No, no. It's when he's getting out of the water at some point, he's like emerging from the lake after taking like a bath in the lake or whatever. And it's, it's there, but it was like a. Okay, so this is what we're going on and on about, I see. Uh, this is what everybody is, like, losing their mind over. Um, this, like, far-off shot. Okay, well, but Chris Pine is, you know. Meanwhile, there's little poor extra in the background having to show her titties so we can demonstrate <laughs> that she's being raped. Nobody you know, cares about that. Fun times. Um, yeah, so we're, we're, still, we're still there. And even now, like, Chris Hemsworth getting grilled over this, like, ridiculous shot in Thor Love and Thunder so it's just a skill like and that's a booty shot uh mind you um which I was happy about but you know it I is what it we is. need more male booty yeah, shots we, we listen I've I've been very very uh, always yes center of the line always firm I believe in equal objectification <laughs> of the sexes yeah. I don't think about we have less here. female objectification I think we need to have more male objectification I want both <laughs> and to you guy, some guy got on Twitter because Halle Berry decided to post a picture of herself. Uh cover because she's you know, she's doing like one of these where her arms are like covering like this over the balcony, but she's like out on her balcony naked. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's a modern day shot. So she's like what, 52, I think now, uh-huh. 51. And somebody's like, Oh, you're going to do menopause and you're a grandma age. Get put some clothes on and stop posting news. And I was like, excuse you, sir. You know what a fool you look like coming online and having the nerve to tell Halle Berry to put Halle fucking on? Berry? Get are out you? of here. I don't care how you, old you are. If you're really? hot and you want to show it, thank yes. you. That's the like, only appropriate response. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, Halle Berry walk around with as much or as little clothing as you would like that signed 99% of the world. Okay. Like- 99.9999999999. Everybody except for that fucking dude over there. He, wants. he does not speak for anyone else. Okay. Thank you very much. But yes. So that was a big hoopla with Outlocking. And I do think it was one of Netflix's first attempts at like an awards movie. Uh, Cause it's a Netflix original film. Uh, I think this is like right around the same time as Roma. I think Roma was the next year, actually. Mm-hmm. So I think this was one of those ones where they were like, we want an Oscar. Yeah, I just think it was, it's way too Braveheart. It's just like yeah. very clear. It's like literally the next chapter of Braveheart. And uh, <laughs> and they were like, we already gave Braveheart the yeah, Oscar that's treatment. exactly. It's like, oh, this is just, like literally while I was watching it, I was like, this is just like Braveheart. <laughs> I had to like, I'm glad I looked it up because I was like, oh, oh, this is actually like better than Braveheart because it isn't such a depressing ending and it doesn't like change as much of the history. That's pretty cool. Rock on. (laughs) Well, most recently, uh, the film that we both saw from him, because he did a few other not great stuff like The Contractor, which gives us great. uh, Speaking of uh, naked Chris Pine, gives us great booty shots in the contractor for Chris Pine looking good right. uh, I, know, but I actually realized that I was going through his IMDB I'm I am woefully lacking in the many Chris Pine as some sort of an agent film yeah he's There's quite a few of them Jack Ryan shadow recruit we I know even that was, his it was Jack either Ryan I was like phrase. maybe I should watch Jack Ryan or this outlaw king uh I'll watch the outlaw king I, I'm I a, little like a little more interested in that 
it's more interesting. Jack Ryan, it wasn't a great adaptation. It wasn't a great film. Yeah, you know, that's a I lot think. of his, yeah, you know, he, they, they all do that. They all go through their ups well, and downs. I think um, reading work. that Florence Pugh was in the Outlaw King was what put me over oh, the edge oh. on that. I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch that one. Perfect. That one sounds good. But yeah, we both said Don't Worry, Darling. We saw Don't Worry, Darling, which is Chris Pine is a villain. He takes a villain turn, which we He's see so too good. often. He's such a good little incel. I love him. <laughs> does such a good job i wish oh i wish that we could have gotten to see real world chris pine because they did such an incredible job with um harry styles Styles. is like like i like i've never been like a harry styles girl but harry styles in don't worry darling inside the re- the like virtual world is like i get it i'm like oh yeah that, i get it and then you see him on the outside you're like oh it was so good it's so good it's i it's incredible that you can look at this person and go that is an unattractive man and that is a stupidly attractive man and like the difference is fucking hygiene it seems like you know um but i would have loved to see like them try to make chris pine not attractive grungy horrible Chris Pine, for for the rest of us, can you please? I would love it. <laughs> yeah, because once again, even as a villain here, you get it because he's charming. He's yeah. uh, he's got this seductiveness to him in oh, that role. But he's oh, it's so great. I think I I I actually really enjoyed. Don't worry, darling. I think there was a few like I understand why some people didn't Script like issues. it. I think there was a weird. There's a few plot holes that yes. ruin it for me because I am very story heavy, but. I think the theme I enjoyed so much uh, and the the very filminess about it. Like I, I see Olivia Wilde really trying to direct in that film. And yeah. I think that's that's always fun for me to see a director like taking chances and using some metaphor and exploring and, and creating some interesting visuals and playing around but yeah there were some fucking like plot holes toward the end really it all falls apart towards the end and the yeah. plot holes are That's, like mm, why yeah. is this i don't understand why the ending is the ending there's just too many things that don't make sense but i, lo- I loved the concept generally yeah. i mean it, i knew it was stepford wives from the beginning but i think it's a fresh take on the stepford wives and i really enjoyed the the modernization of it of like because you can really understand this this incel you can understand this falling down the rabbit hole in an internet world because you are discontented with your life and finding other people you it deals so much like so chris pine is basically this like cult leader um and i think that that's really where that charm comes in like you could see where that charm if used for evil can be such a problem and i (laughs) I love seeing Chris Pine. I think he is so good with comedy. I would also love to see more evil Chris Pine because that is my kind of a villain. Like, yeah. I mean, I like a lot of villains, but like guy who's just so good at manipulating people, just so t- like you are a villain that you like get it. You're like, well, I understand yeah. why you would all fall for his bullshit. It yeah. sounds so good. Especially in his mouth. You know. <laughs> And Florence Pugh obviously is amazing. Like, I mean, she kills it. And don't worry, darling, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another role with like without her. If if it's like a lesser actress, that film becomes a lot less good. Yeah, she's <laughs> in the lead a, role. she takes the uh, tortured woman of the modern age role and just like 
owns it <laughs> every time you every know time. you know she she's gonna get it, it. <laughs> like she knows what it's like to be a woman in the 2020s it's so and good who has yeah like, a i better, do think, like um it's kind of a shame I, I feel like so much of olivia wilde and the harry styles drama like really overshadowed this for me and really overshadowed what florence Pugh did in this film because she really did do an excellent yeah. job yeah um, if for nothing anyway. else um you know her performance is amazing here yeah. But of course, then we have the drama off screen on like, did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? Um, I, what was that at Cannes at Tribeca? One of the like, <laughs> what? One of the film festivals where they were showing Don't Worry Darling. There's this moment where Harry goes to like sit down and like leans like that. And Chris like looks down like this and like looks over and like seems to like brush something on his like pants so people thought harry styles like spit on him as he was sitting down because it was so much drama i mean there was so much drama on don't worry darling and you could just tell chris was this is also why we love him while all the rest of the cast around him is involved in all this including florence Pugh, because she had like this stuff with the olivia wilde because shia labeouf was supposed to be in the harry styles role at first and Lawrence Pugh wasn't comfortable, like didn't want him there. But Olivia I get that. Wilde, <laughs> Olivia Wilde was like playing both sides of the fence. So she was like going to Shia LaBeouf and be like, oh, don't worry, Miss Flo will come around. Like, we just have to get her. She doesn't understand, blah, blah, blah. And so all of this stuff started coming out as the film was unraveling to come to theaters. Um, so Olivia and Florence weren't really showing up at the same events like it was a bad falling out apparently between the two of them of course the Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde stuff <laughs> and then you just had Chris Pine who just looked exhausted he was in like his long hair don't care phase he was just like chilling through the entire press tour just kind of like mm-hmm yeah um there's this movie I'm in coming out like <laughs> His hair is long hair, don't care again with his Dungeons and Dragons press tour as well. So I get the feeling maybe he's just one of the, he's like, I don't have a part I'm in right now. I'm just in tour mode. I don't I'm give just, a shit. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, it, yeah. So I just and that's, also. That's another thing I would it. like to point out Chris Pine, unproblematic in a world yes. of problematic actors left and fucking right, turning out to be absolute shitbags, a person who is damn fucking sexy and could easily be taking advantage of other people with his incredible levels of sexiness and power chooses not to and generally dates age-appropriate women which and I generally love. has like been vocal in support of good causes and yeah. seems from all accounts seems to be a very good a solid democrat like <laughs> Without me, he knows, doesn't throw craziness out there. He's doesn't like, attend mega churches, like yeah. weird shit like that. Yeah, it's great. Good. He's not overly involved in politics either, to a you point know, where you're again, like, yo, man, like, what are you talking that's, about? That's you generally why, you know, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, my, my beloved, are like my two favorites because Chris Hemsworth as well, he's married, he has kids, so he's not involved in any of that type of bullshit. He doesn't come out and say anything like when drama is happening, even amongst the Marvel cast. Um, he just stays quiet. He keeps his fucking mouth shut like you should. Um, and just chills. He just is like off in Australia doing his own thing and doesn't comment on shit. So, you know, maybe he is has problematic views in his head. I don't know because he doesn't spout them off. Uh, <laughs> and Chris Pine as well. He doesn't come out and do anything that would make us just like he seems like a great guy. 
seems you know we love you chris pine so keep doing you he's also in spider-man across uh across the spider-verse but uh, like uh into the spider-verse but it's a pretty negligible role he is one of the peter parkers but like the peter parker who dies at the he's very part, beginning yeah. of the movie so i mean he's in it but not really he does have <laughs> such a good i'm glad he has a really good um voice yes so he it's nice to do more voice work yeah like ready to lend it to things you know again we're hiring chris pratt left right and center as all these voices like garfield which <laughs> that is inappropriate so ridiculous like uh, you know what just get uh what's his name back Bill i know Murray. the movies i know the movies weren't good but he Bill actually, Murray is the only voice of he's the only appropriate voice for garfield and also as i understand it bill murray is difficult to work with so if you're going to use him use him as a voice actor he's by himself he's in a room yes bring bill murray back not chris pratt i mean it's already bad enough we got him to do mario instead of just hiring somebody with a natural italian accent um it's like come on it's you know not what, that Larry, hard they don't anymore. even need to have a natural italian accent it would have been nice to just have somebody who's like a smack of italian in them <laughs> look if you're gonna especially if you're gonna play a caricature of someone from that nationality let them be from the national let I us know. make fun of I'm our like, people i can make no, fun of us but you hold on I, i'm not gonna say that the italians are an oppressed <laughs> people all right however you know it just feels like if, if we're gonna be aware of these things and we're gonna say hey it's not appropriate to cast white people to play things with a jamaican accent <laughs> like <laughs> It's weird to cast people that when there are Italian actors who exist that would happily uh, and well do this job, right? Like, I, I feel like it's always even worse. So you have Chris Pratt and Charlie Day as the two main Italians, neither of which- Italian, and like, listen. And then you have like Italian voice actors in the movie just playing random other bullshit. And you're like, uh, just bump them up to damn Mario. What's going on? I, what i know like it's because it's especially if you're making a children's film it's not like the kids care who does they're the voice of mario Chris pratt i promise they're coming here for mario yeah yeah mario sells the movie that's what i don't get mario is the selling point it doesn't matter who's the voice behind mario yeah it also like he it it, it ruins the character for me because so chris pratt his voice makes sense to me and he is is now like the voice of that lego character guy so that's it like you can probably use him in a few other things but like now he's identified he's also like this he's identified now in film as a doofy animated actor and so like i instantly think that (laughs) i instantly feel that you have made a doofy character of of mario who is not inherently doofy he is you know he's he is an animated character he's a go-getter he's, he's a go-getter <laughs> and now know, I, the voice of mario is soon to be garfield it's hard to explain yeah he, he's just doing too many things it's hard to explain why it's like annoying to have him <laughs> as the voice i think if you were gonna go with an italian accent on mario then that's it right the old one the at least with like the was the 90s one with yeah. bob hoskins like 
I understand that Bob Hoskins is not Italian, but Ho- Bob Hoskins did not play Mario with an Italian accent. He just like they gave him a, a Latino brother. Yeah, they gave him a Latino brother. Uh, yeah, John Leguizamo as Luigi. I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> you know, they weren't playing around in that movie with logistics. But Chris Pine, yeah, the other Chris's, they don't even bother. Like Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, they're like, our face and our body are like our main selling points. We're not going to hide that behind animation. Are you kidding? Chris Pine has got has got a great voice. Got it Chris all. Pine also, he, that charm oozes through. He's a he was he's great as Spider-Man. He's an excellent Spider-Man yeah. voice. So I would like to see him uh, more animation and more villains. I agree. Especially yeah. we don't get him as villains very often. I think it's because no. he's so charismatic that they want him as like the good guy lead. But let him be a charismatic he's villain evolving. again. I, I think I'm I'm and I'm really excited to just watch Chris Pine develop in the next like several years because he doesn't because he does not seem afraid to acknowledge that he is aging and he is willing to do new things and try different things and he's open to like and he doesn't make just terrible decisions right he's not accepting every role that's thrown at him but he is open to trying new things so i'm excited to see like where he goes you like an actor who's not afraid to be involved in some yep. pretty shitty stuff like let's just I'm, I'm waiting for his like his like full on like he's trying okay so outlaw king all right he's gonna get it though i think i think he's gonna find his like oscar-y groove yeah. at some point i sure hope because he he, he feels him. like an actor that is evolving into he's gonna have that oscar role soon right like he's it, gonna find it, it feels like he's one of those on the edge out of all the chrises he's the one that you can envision like he can get that Oscar nomination at some point mm-hmm. in his He's career. He's already playing around there, right? He did the Outlaw King. Don't worry, Don't worry, darling. darling. I feel like from a script perspective, probably it was like, this is an awards contender. And then it just didn't quite uh, materialize yeah. that way. Um, that was also came out like that was the, the first year that Netflix tried to like get into the uh, the, the Oscars. And they were like, you can't. Your streaming is so fair. And then by the next year, they were like, no, nah, mm. man, they put out a bunch of shit. It looks really good. Well made. They put a bunch of money into making. Why can't they? They, they were like followed oh, sh- the rules they released them in these theaters like <laughs> the next year it was Steven. like literally it was like alfonso Cuarón gave us a black and white movie and they were like shit we can't deny it the oscars <laughs> <Shit>. we <laughs> have to let netflix in damn it's it like, um, guillermo del toro did us a claymation and they were like shit we have can't to give let it to it pixar again <laughs> Yeah, you have to literally, Netflix has to force the Oscars. They have to be like, look, acclaimed director doing something creative. You have to let us in, damn it. <laughs> and now the Oscars. So yeah, are, that's uh, what I would give that Side to, note, but it, the Oscars are moving the goalpost, like... Ren. What did you say? They're moving the goalposts on how many theaters you have to release and how many markets. So they're really trying to get Netflix out again. They're like, all right, streaming, we got new things that you have to meet if you want to come to our party. <laughs> I mean, okay, I I understand it. I don't know. I don't know if I understand it. Why? Why? Why does it matter? Netflix is prerogative. They don't want to release their. I actually I don't understand it from a business standpoint. I mean, like I do a little bit. I I get the theoretical idea that like they're building up a streaming platform and building up a subscriber base, and that yeah. they're like some, but like realistically it also seems like mm, it's probably better for you that 
the model where we released movies first and you had to like go spend money to go see them in a movie theater before you got them for free through your service. That seems like that would make the most sense. Logically, Honestly, like last year, but... last year should have shown that to them because that they barely put like knives out sequel uh, glass onion in theaters for like less than a week. And it made quite a bit of money in just a very short period of time. And then they took it out and said, all right, next month it comes to Netflix. Uh, Maybe if you had let it have like a little theater run, you actually could have made a pretty penny if you look at the first Knives Out specifically. But I, you know, I genu I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not running a streaming service. Who I knows? Don't know. Maybe they know yeah. something that makes sense to them. Well, uh, I maybe don't. Uh, who knows? Netflix. We'll but see. Will Chris Pine come to Netflix next? Who knows? Again, I guess because he did do the Outlaw King, so he's been there he once. Did. Um, maybe he'll come back. I don't know. They're doing a lot of prestige work uh, over there. Hell or High Water was also very Oscary. It was very, it was very, that you're right. See, so he's uh, he's right there, and he I think Hell or High Water he got the nominations. Just... So he also <sighs> knows. <laughs> he also knows his brand, right? He knows. Dungeons and Dragons, where I'm the bard, that's probably <laughs> the right fit for me. I, and I like that too. I like that he yeah. understands he's doing things for his fans as well, right? And it's a good that's bounce back from all the drama that was Don't Worry Darling. You know, a nice, fun, yeah. effervescent, you know, turn your brain off type of just go in, have a good time, and let's get to it. We have so few woman directors. <laughs> I can't deal with it when one of them is just a mess. <laughs> When one of them, woo, um, we've yeah. got like five female directors that you can name and just off the top too. of your head as a film person. And yeah, um, Olivia Wilde is ruining it for herself. Ugh. Well, that was our our review and our tangents uh, about all <laughs> things you enjoyed. You know what, though, I'll just say this one last tangent before we go off. If you're listening to the Cinema Snarks podcast at this point, if you listen to more than one of our episodes, expect tangents. You know, it's all going to be film related. It's going to be in the sphere of what we're talking about. Yes. It's just a little off the beaten path. You know, we like to spice <laughs> it up. around. It. Sometimes Rand will give you a history lesson. Sometimes we'll talk about a completely different Chris named actor. Who knows? Yeah, that's what <laughs> we keep it fun. Rand about voice acting you know uh the italian plight of cinema it's, it's all there it's all here that's, that's, that's why it's fun so yeah but we hope you enjoyed our review for dungeons and dragons honor among thieves as well as our discussion of chris pine and why he is a beloved chris in hollywood ren why don't you let people know where they might be able to find you they can find me on Twitter at Ren Manley. You can find me on Instagram at RennyPoo13. And you can find me on my theater company's websites and social media uh, handles, all Audacious Theater. If you can't spell Audacious, well, you should find a dictionary and look it up. Google is right there. It's right there. All you it's, have to do is get kind of close it's and a it will C. give you... It'll give you the real spelling if you get kind of close. It'll be like, did you mean this word? So you got this. You can yes. you can find audacious. And I can theater. tell you from my Google alerts, audacious has become a very popular word to throw at things. So you should all <laughs> understand how to spell it by now. Perfect. And you can find me at ChiliBoyYT on Twitter and then Chili Boy Productions on YouTube and Instagram. 
follow our Twitter and Instagram Cinema Snarks so that you know when we hit the theater and when you can expect new episodes. As you see, we're, we're back on the grind, y'all. We're, we're on a nice we're little trying. Season. We took a break. We're going to call that like our, our season one with the conclusion of season sure. one. Yes, we, we took, took a break. A, a nice a mid-season break and now we're back for season two of Cinema Snarks on a roll. Um, so we're looking for maybe Renfield, maybe Evil Dead Rises, maybe Bo is a we're not quite sure april randomly is the horror month this year there's a lot of horror-y kind of stuff coming out for horror i don't know uh i guess they were like hey that jesus dude literally rose out of the grave horror um i don't know but i I think if they would have released evil dead on easter that would have made the most sense Oh my god can you imagine and they would have gotten all the christian outrage it would have just been so good like come on Hollywood. Perfect. let us get why us don't in. they put us in charge of these things larry <laughs> well thank you all for listening watching however you're consuming and we will see you on our next one bye, bye.